Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. My name is Chuck. Thurston and Charles Chuck Thompson is right across from me. How you doing on this beautiful Thursday, Charles Chuck Thompson? Not that shabby. Not gotta, too shabby, I gotta huh? tell you, it's, uh, it's Black Shirt Thursday. If you guys don't watch the video, then you'll understand. You don't understand what that context means, but you, that's why you got to watch the videos, which you can only do live on patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty to get access to the private Discord server, or you'll have to wait a day or, or two or three to... Uh... <laughs> Plus, you can be part of the live group discussion we've got going on here. Everyone make sure you and... respond to Marines. <laughs> Everyone's hitting it. <laughs> so... To get to get access to what's going on here, uh, you got to go patreon.com slash good morning liberty. You know, I wanted to plug that at the beginning because what we got going on in Patreon is it's it's unseen before in podcasting history. It's never happened. Not a single time. Wow. We actually got a new sign up yesterday. So thank you for everyone being here. Rob, I saw that you were back. Rob, I uh, hope boot camp was OK. Hope everyone uh, hope everyone made it out just fine. I'm sure you're much stronger now reprogrammed for the world <laughs> and uh good job good job making it out man he's here he's here um so today before we uh get going we're gonna tell you guys about one of our very special oh, wait i got a review here from a, a discord uh, yeah. member just now patreon member right now worth every penny to be in this chat yeah it sounds like uh it sounds like nick would pay more <laughs> Sounds like the price is going to start going up. We got to see where that breaks down. That's that's a lot. That was a live review. Yeah, it's just this just in came in right there. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, it's it's the best, literally the best group we got going on. You don't want to miss out. Other than the trading group, that's a good group too. Yeah, which actually includes a lot of the same people. Yeah, since we've never ran advertising to anyone except for the people on the podcast <laughs> for the trading class. <laughs> two amazing groups. Yep, there we go. And so. Um, one thing that's awesome before we get going here, wait, 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 wait. you forgot to mention the best part of this whole marketing scheme we're uh, ploying right now Yeah, is that by being a part of the trading group, your Patreon memberships free, basically. A lot of people would disagree with that. I'm sure. I don't think so. Probably everyone in the group would disagree. I don't think so. Oh, you mean it could pay for itself? Exactly. I got you. Yeah. Okay. In that case, the class is free too. It's free basically. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you'll lose money if you don't sign up for those groups. There you go. (laughs) I mean, you guys don't want to be losing money right now. Don't want to do that. That's what a lot of people in the market are doing today. Are we in a market crash right now? Well, it's it's not looking good. I saw the market bounce back some a little bit, but we did cross a couple important technical indicators on the S&P 500 at least. We did make that reversal on the daily chart that I was talking about just a couple days ago. We did come down below the 50 day moving average, which is an important technical indicator. We will see where the market, I didn't look to see where it closed and whether or not it closed uh, back up towards that 50 or not. I, I didn't actually go look. But what we're doing now is we're identifying a bunch of really good buying opportunities if we are about to head into some type of a major market correction or downturn or crash or whatever you want to call it. If we're about to head into that, the people who make money in the market are the ones who were buying in February and March of last year. Those are the evil billionaires that people keep talking about, how they made so much money since the pandemic started. 
that's because when they saw the market downturn, they hit the buy button. All right, so we I'm actually putting together a list right now, putting together a list and a spreadsheet. I'm gonna share the actual spreadsheet with everyone, the file itself, so you can see it when I update it as well, with all of the stocks we are watching for bounces and all of the price points where we are watching for those bounces. And that's gonna be a consistently updated list for everyone in the class. That turned into an advertisement for mastermystonks.com so but also an overall market might as well do that an overall market sentiment yeah that's and, an, that's important to liberty people and just give us another minute here while we tell you about better help don't hit the skip button unless you are hitting you can hit pause and you can go to betterhelp.com slash gml if you want to do that but if you for some reason are not finding the happiness and the meaning in your life that you desire maybe you need to talk to someone about it all right it's helped me before. I've talked to people about it. I went to a psychiatrist. I went to a couple different therapists. Uh, and um, I think I helped them a lot. And, and so if you guys want to talk to a licensed <laughs> therapist, you can get on betterhelp.com slash GML. Use the slash GML so you can get 10% off your first month. But what you're going to get is a licensed therapist that is tailored to your needs, whether it is anxiety, depression, relationship issues, all kinds of problems like that. You can do video calls, you can message on the app, you can do text messaging, you can do normal phone calls. You don't have to go into an office, risk getting the COVID. It's way cheaper than, uh, than actually going to an office for a therapist and you're still gonna be getting a licensed therapist for a, a pennies on the dollar just pennies on the dollar for what you would pay for a normal therapist an in-person therapy i actually use uh i use the better help app myself there I, you go i love it yeah I, and the reason why i love it is because well uh you know running a business can be stressful and uh mainly i talk to my therapist uh her i talk to her about um th those types of stresses and she kind of helps reorient reorient my brain every two weeks uh, to where I can actually kind of refocus. And so that's amazing, Clay. That's good. So, <laughs> so, uh, betterhelp.com slash GML, save 10%, y'all. I'm telling you, it, it's taking care of your mental health is the first step in taking care of the rest of your, the rest of your life. I, mm -hmm. I truly believe that. Uh, cause I, for a long time, I was like, counseling. Yeah. Like, I need that. And, um, I, it's, it literally is life changing. Um, it's not just about depression. It's about all kinds of things. So it's somebody that you can literally say almost anything you want to. And there's very few things that they have to report. <laughs> <laughs> just don't say anything that we said in the pre-show today, which you can watch by going to patreon.com slash good morning liberty. Breaking news from yesterday. Uh, this was trending after the show yesterday, trending really heavily last night on Twitter. The Pentagon the Pentagon prevented immediate response to the mob, the Capitol Hill rioters. They prevented an immediate response. This is an interesting story. It's fueled all types of conspiracy theories from the left, which I think those are just called uh, normal theories. They're not conspiracy theories because the left doesn't believe in any conspiracy theories at mm -hmm. all. When they think something, it, it just is. That, that's yeah. that's what it is. So the well, Russia, I mean, that they've been involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they even they're even attacking that in the new bill, which we'll be talking about here and here in just a second. Yeah. Um, so this is from The Hill, and this is pretty interesting. The D.C. National Guard chief on Wednesday told lawmakers he would have immediately activated his forces to assist U.S. Capitol Police on January 6th. 
if his authority had not been restricted by the Pentagon. Quote, he said, I would have sent them there immediately as soon as I hung up. Commanding General William Walker told lawmakers, uh, let's see, at a hearing evaluating the security breakdown that occurred when pro-Trump mob attacked the Capitol. The pro-Trump mob attacked the Capitol. Repeat that Mm. over and over again. Quote, my next call would have been to my subordinate commanders to get every single subordinate <laughs> to get every single guardsman in this building and everybody that's helping the Metropolitan Police to the Capitol without delay. Walker on Wednesday told lawmakers about a January 5th letter one day prior from acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller that restricted his ability to deploy the quick reaction quick reaction force. The QRF. The QRF if you've been watching any kind of lone survivor or the outpost or anything like that and you know what that is. Walker called the letter unusual. He said, quote, I have restrictions on me that I hadn't had in the past. Walker said he could have gotten 150 troops to the Capitol in 20 minutes if he was not delayed by higher ranking officials at the Pentagon. Walker's written testimony outlines a three hour delay in getting approval to send the National Guard to the Capitol. Though the Pentagon approved the request for National Guard assistance at 432, uh, Hours after the violence broke out of the Capitol, that information was then not relayed to Walker for another half an hour. Walker also testified that former police chief Stephen Sund, who resigned in the wake of the attack, felt that he was unable to ask for National Guard assistance ahead of the attack. Sund previously told lawmakers he sought to request National Guard assistance on January 4th, but was rebuffed by former House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving. Who's that? He's the former House Sergeant at Arms. Who's the That's who he is. House Sergeant at Arms? I don't. I don't know. Okay. I really don't know what that is. So, so, what this is this is fueling is the theory. You can't call it a conspiracy theory because it's coming from the left. Mm-hmm. But the theory is that Trump loyalists were put in place prior to the planned Capitol insurrection that Trump knew was going to happen that he put people in place that would then work all their little work all their little uh, paperwork down the chain to make sure that there wasn't a response to the riot that he knew was going to be happening that way we could have a full-on coup that would take place with with no weapons first off yes yeah. <laughs> first ever in history I'm pretty sure but that could have been slightly impressive. I don't, I don't know. Well, there are a bunch of pipe bombs. Yeah. And they were they had flags and fire extinguishers. Yeah. Yeah. Fire extinguishers that were there, flagpoles, stuff like that. Yeah. A very dangerous stuff. Now, listen, lives were lost there, and we don't agree with that. Founding members of Antietam right here were very anti-death. Yeah. Okay. But this is the, the theory now is that Trump knew that this was going to happen and made sure that all the pieces were in place to make sure that the National Guard could not get there. Also, he was um, uh, impeached for giving a speech that incited the riot to happen at the same time. Yeah. So we're both saying that his speech incited the riot to happen because it wouldn't have happened were it not for his speech. And also that this was very pre-planned, very pre-planned. Now, it's impossible to believe that there can be some kind of data manipulation when it comes to voting. That's... No. A wild conspiracy theory not backed by anything. Never seen it before. But it's completely possible to believe that there were several people throughout high-ranking positions in the government that were passing notes to each other <laughs> that stopped the, from the National Guard from being from being deployed. I, to me, this sounds more like a CYA 
type of operation. Yes. Cover your ass. <laughs> That's what it is. The um, He wants to make sure he's not liable for not sending out the National Guard. So he's like, oh, I got a letter the day before. My alternate conspiracy theory. Have we is, seen that letter? I have not seen it. My alternate conspiracy theory is that it was actually people in the Pentagon that might have wanted there to be low security there and not a response, but that they were in fact not Trump loyalists, that they were part of the evil swamp, the part of the Washington bureaucracy. And they could pin it on them. That knew that this would turn around the country forever, this date which shall live in infamy. And that that would actually be part of it, that they would allow it to happen. And it would actually, it could be pinned on Trump because it was his administration, but that they were going to orchestrate if there's a conspiracy theory. I just think that both of those are very valid. Let's go all the way to the CIA. I think they're both extremely valid. From what we can tell, if you look at history, the CIA is really good at staging coups. Yeah. <laughs> they've they've, done it. That's kind of what they do. They've done it all over the world yeah. folks, with a very high success rate. So... <laughs> This is uh, this is very interesting, uh, for sure. I'm sure we'll hear more about this. Uh, there's more to come because well, remember the intelligence community also hated Trump. I know, like you know, everyone hated Trump. Almost everyone in government hated Trump. I know, and so, and so it's I'm trying to figure out which one which one of our conspiracy theories is the most likely scenario, and I feel like it's the one that that I laid out. But we'll see. Which one holds <clears throat> holds more Sprite? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all I have to say about that. All right, y'all, this is from USA Today. <clears throat> Kroger, Starbucks, and Target among retailers that will still require masks in Texas despite end of the state mandate. We told you this was going to happen, by yeah. the way, that you didn't need the government to do it. You didn't. Isn't this amazing, by the way? I just, oh, capitalism's so bad mm -hmm. that uh, you have private companies that still want to do whatever they can to sell as many products as possible. <laughs> yep. So no mask, no service. Even as some States roll back mask mandates, some of the nation's largest retailers, including Kroger, Macy's, Starbucks, and target are not rolling back theirs. That's because Walmart is the one that rolls back. <laughs> uh, and they obviously can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's probably trademark. trademark. Yeah. Kroger, which also owns supermarket chains, including Ralph and Dylan, said in a statement to USA Today that it will continue to require everyone in our stores across the country to wear masks until all of our frontline grocery associates can receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Best Buy and Macy's also told USA Today they had no plans to change their mask policies. Quote, the health and safety of our colleagues and customers is always our top priority. Macy's will continue with our current policy requiring customers and colleagues to wear facial coverings while in store. The retailer said in a statement, if the customer does not have a mask, we will be happy to provide one. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's decision to lift the face covering requirement and open Texas 100% to full capacity on March 10 conflict with safety protocols at many businesses. Only healthcare workers, people over 65, and adults with pre-existing conditions are currently eligible for vaccines in Texas. Old Tejas. Several other states are, I believe, Mississippi's removing theirs. South Dakota never really closed down or North Dakota, whichever one it is. Um, <laughs> but you make a, you make the, the very solid point that we never needed a government mass mandate to begin with because private companies actually care about making money. Yeah. There's, and if they, if safety obviously is one of the top 
concerns because if you have an accident happen at one of your stores, well, then you lose a lot of business because people are like, well, I'm not going to go to Target because, you know, Target uh, has whatever, an E.C.O.L.A. outbreak or whatever it is with their salads. So don't shop at Target anymore because they just got a bunch of bad leaf lettuce, <laughs> man, which yeah, I mean, means their clothes are bad, too. It doesn't even take them being altruistic or caring about other people trying to even save lives with this all they have to do is realize that it's more acceptable for people to wear masks than it is for people to not wear masks and so as a business they know that their best incentive is to still require that people wear masks because one of the worst things that can happen to one of these retailers is for it to go viral on on woke media that they're no longer requiring people to wear the masks and that they don't care about people's lives and that they're actually just Trump-loving white supremacists is, is what they would then be. And that they're probably the, the, someone who's a manager, middle manager at the company, uh, like the QAnon post one time. And then that's, that's what ends up happening on social media and it's going to end up hurting the company a lot. And so all they need is that incentive, which one would be better for us in the long run, and it turns out to be that they're still going to require people to wear masks. And so you didn't really have to have the government to do it anymore. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it would be the same way around the whole country. The businesses, by the way, that don't care if people wear masks are going to continue not caring if people wear masks, even though there are mask mandates and there are plenty of businesses that don't enforce it whatsoever. And the businesses that do care are going to continue to enforce it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the mandates are. Because there's the same, some businesses don't care and some businesses do. It's the same reason they have employees must wash hands before returning to work signs in their bathrooms. Because they want, although I think that is a requirement of the health department, but also it's a good idea hmm. because when you read that sign, uh, if you're washing your hands, as, as you should, um, when you're reading that sign, you're like, oh man, all the employees wash their hands. <laughs> how, how nice. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything because the sign here requires them to wash their hands. We know how signs work, you know, but it's it gives you... Those types of things give you a, a peace of mind. That's what they're all about. They're, out, they're, they're trying to attract you to their stores because when you get in the door, then that's when they can make money off of you. And this is, and like you said, it doesn't have to be altruistic. They don't actually have to care about saving people's lives. It, what, what it does, they get, all they care about is making a profit. But through that, through that vehicle of making sure they can make a profit for their shareholders or whoever, their, you know, their employees or whatever it is, that incentive alone ends up protecting people. Isn't that just amazing? And all it takes is, like I said before, it's more okay for people right now in the country, it's more okay for people to wear masks than it is for people to not wear masks. And if you're a company that's going to enforce the fact that people are going to wear masks, you're going to get less people mad at you than if you weren't enforcing people wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And so all you got to do is do the numbers on it. And that's what they did. That's that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And so life. once again, uh, just like Amanda just said, um, said the crazy thing, people throw up these stories as a way to own libertarians who wanted to do away with mask mandates. They did something similar when private corporations began taking voluntary measures to go green and to save energy. That doesn't prove libertarians wrong. It actually proves the point. And that's exactly what it does. Mm -hmm. The proof is is in the is in the yogurt like my grandpa used to say it's in, uh, my grandpa said jello it's Did he? in the jello okay. yeah i must have it wrong then. yeah yeah the jiggly, jiggly jello they will do these <laughs> they will do these things for their own benefit and that is the beauty of semi-free market capitalism <laughs> 
of I couldn't of have capitalism. I couldn't have I couldn't have said it better myself, so I didn't. That's good. Okay, from the Daily Wire, thanks, Ben. Four devastating consequences of the For the People Act. Now, I was telling Charlie before the show, I think there is not near enough attention being paid to this For the People Act. This is, in my opinion, other than the ridiculous stimulus packages that we continue to see go through, this is one of the biggest bills if it were to be passed. I don't know if it's going to have the votes in the Senate or not. If it were to be passed, this would be one of the most country-changing bills that we have had actually in a long time because well, it's, it's completely it's for the people. Well, it is for the people, yeah, and so that's that's important. But this <laughs> was actually one of the biggest deals that we've seen in a while because it would completely change how we do our elections around the whole country, and it would make it federal law. And I I would imagine that it could be challenged in the Supreme Court and could be struck down because the or constitution of it. Yeah, the constitution does not allow for the federal government to control all of these pieces of the elections. They're supposed to set what a date and time or times and places. And yeah. that's, that's it, which makes sense. We all have the election on the same day to elect whoever's going to be going into that, into those federal offices. Unless there's a pandemic. Unless there's a pandemic. Yeah. And then that yeah. changes. So on Wednesday night, the but house, this is a, this is a kind of a tag along to our, what we talked a little bit about yesterday. So if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, go back and listen to that, then come back to this one so that you can get caught up. In fact, take the 411 episode challenge uh, while you're at it. Then mm -hmm. come back to this one. There's actually, yeah, there's even, if you go through and listen, there'll be more than 411. Some of them didn't even get episode numbers and the numbers are all wrong. I think we're actually at 430 or 440 now oh, on there. Oh, yeah, so, okay. but it's called, today will be called episode 412. Okay. Did I nail that? Was it four? Yeah, yeah 411 wow. was yesterday. I just totally made that mm -hmm. up. <laughs> on Wednesday night, the House of Representatives passed an 800-page federal election reform package dubbed the For the People Act. <laughs> so good. The so good how they come up with that. The constitutional justification of such sweeping reforms is dubious. Article 1 of the United States Constitution states that the times, places, and manner of holding the elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. <laughs> literally in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. As the Heritage Foundation details, the nation's founding document grants the state legislature's primary jurisdiction over the elections and only presents the United States Congress with secondary control. In an attempt to justify tightening the federal government's grip over American elections, the bill invokes the notion of structural racism several times. Oh, my God. So this, it's, this is a tool, and this is why over the last four years or so, we have been rejecting this tool that is going to be used for everything, for every little well, bit think about of it. legislation the, the they want. The Constitution is an antebellum document. <laughs> it is. So, it is. So this is a, then see, guys. In look. fact, most of the buildings in Washington are antebellum buildings. Yeah. If, so. you, if you just if you just pay attention to how they string all these little things together, you know, they're working on a 500-year a plan here, okay? <laughs> they just kind of put these little nuggets in every little bit. And so now... Obviously, if you're against this, well, then you're for racism. This, this is exactly what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. it, it is. It's part of the bill. It says it right here. As the Heritage Foundation details, the nation's founding documents already read that. Uh, so structural racism several times. For example, the introduction states that voting restrictions, redistricting, and other electoral practices and processes continue to disproportionately impact communities of color 
in the United States and do so as a result of both intentional racial discrimination, structural racism, and the ongoing structural socioeconomic effects of historical racial discrimination. It's very important. Okay, so here's a few things from it. So now that we've said this, you must agree with everything that's in the bill or you're racist. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Eliminating voter ID provisions. For the the People Act seeks to eliminate many voter ID provisions. The bill alleges that states and localities have eroded access to the right to vote through restrictions on the right to vote, including excessively onerous voter identification requirements. Excessively onerous. Yeah, very difficult. (laughs) I don't know what it's like in your state, but I... You know, I, I just have to show my ID, like the, my driver's license. Yeah. It therefore dictates that the state may not require an individual to provide any form of identification as a condition of obtaining an absentee ballot. So you're not even, even voting in person, but if you're someone who's going to be sending in your vote, that there, you don't need any type of identification. Wow. But they're like, okay, well, at least we have some rules on absentee ballots. No, we got to get rid of those, too. Well, and, and we talked a lot about voter ID yesterday. So that's why I said go back and listen to yesterday's because a lot of libertarians, if this is your first time liber- listening, you're like, well, we don't believe in voter ID anyway. We don't even believe in IDs, man. These old fat libertarians just, sitting around saying yeah, stuff like that. We don't like IDs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm done listening to your podcast. <laughs> go back and listen to yesterday's episode where we discussed all about my, my IDs, okay? My, my IDs. <laughs> All right. All right, vote by mail. Following the COVID-19 pandemic, many state governments allowed for the usage of mail-in voting to avoid the spread of the virus. I don't even believe in the mail. <laughs> the Democrats' <laughs> bill, however, would make such provisions permanent. Ooh. As the legislation claims, quote, Congress finds that it has the authority. Congress finds <laughs> that it has the authority. Hey, look, we're just... <laughs> We stumbled upon this authority. We Those didn't are know some we of had. the most dangerous words I've ever heard For in my entire life. 238 years. Yeah. We just didn't know. Well, we just stumbled across it. Congress finds that it has the authority pursuant to Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to protect the right to vote, specifically by addressing limited and unequal access to voting by mail. See, this is all going to be done under the guise of racial equity. Mm-hmm. That's why this, this man, I'm telling you. It's a tool for whatever they want. Again, leveraging accusations of racism, the bill states that minority communities wait longer in lines to vote, are more likely to have their mail ballots rejected, and continue to face intimidation at the polls. What? What? Where's the the proof of this? I don't know. I stood in line for two hours. I was one of the only white people there. And I didn't see it. Now, this is empirical evidence if I've ever heard of it in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any intimidation in my polls. They weren't there. They weren't it there. It didn't happen. So therefore, it doesn't happen anywhere. All right. A state may not refuse to accept, they may not refuse to accept or process a mail-in ballot as long as it is postmarked before election day. A measure, they're saying, a measure that could lead to additional elongated periods of vote counting similar to the one that followed the 2020 election. It means as long as it was postmarked before election day, it has to be counted. All right. Providing federal control over redistricting. In addition to subverting states' abilities to determine their own election laws, the For the People Act seeks to assert control over determining congressional districts. 
Quote, Congress finds that the right of suffrage has been so diluted and debased by means of gerrymandering of districts. Reads the legislation, Congress finds that it has the authority pursuant to Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to remedy this debasement. All right. Another thing they do here. Paving the ground for D.C. statehood. Democratic politicians, including President Biden, broadly support granting statehood to the nation's capital city, as it would all but certainly grant two more Senate seats to the Democratic caucus. The For the People Act seeks to lay groundwork for such an endeavor. It claims that there are no constitutional, historical, fiscal, or economic reasons why the Americans who live in the District of Columbia should not be granted statehood. It should establish a 12-member congressional task force. I know what you're thinking. Won't, <laughs> that, won't that interfere with their other task forces? But no. This one has been given priority one, okay? To investigate political disenfranchisement of the United States citizens and territories of the United States. So this is also political disenfranchisement, all these things. They keep saying citizens, but how do you prove they're citizens? You don't know. You don't have to be one. Can't have IDs. In contrast to the Democrats' assertions, founding father James Madison who authored the Constitution, wrote in the Federalist Number 43 that the indispensable necessity of complete authority at the seat of government carries its own evidence with it. He argued that without any independent capital city, not only the public authority might be insulted and its proceedings be interrupted with impunity, but the dependence of the members of the general government on the state, comprehending the seat of the government for protection and the exercise of their duty, might bring on the national councils of, of imputation of awe or influence. What he's saying, what I don't like about this, and I think what he's saying is, let me, let me give you the gist of it. You know, where the, you know what the people in Washington, D.C. do for a living? They... They work for the federal government. Mm. Okay. So almost all of them. I do believe that it needs to remain independent. I completely agree with that. I don't think that the federal government itself should have its own votes in whether or not the federal government is going to do something. I don't, I do I see no reason why that makes any sense Mm-mm. at all. It just don't make no sense. Man. I mean, it's already been diluted anyway yeah. by the fact that we we elect our senators by popular vote now. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's like they'll just they'll find more authority for themselves, <laughs> as we see here that they found with the Fourteenth Amendment. By the way, I was reading up on the Fourteenth Amendment while while you were going through that, where I find that they they found they found their authority over this, and I just I found it interesting because it. It, you know, section one talks about citizens of the United States. Um, and then under section five, it does say that Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. Um, but what's interesting when it comes to uh, voting is uh, section through a uh, section two here, I believe um, where uh, the right to vote essentially um, is talking about male inhabitants of such state <clears throat> being 21 years of age <laughs> and citizens of the United States <clears throat> or in any way abridged except for participation in rebellion or other crime. The basis of representation therein shall be reduced in the proportion, which the number of such uh, the number of such male citizens shall bear to the whole number of male citizens, 21 years of age in such state. So, What's interesting about this is obviously it's the equal protection clause. It's the the 14th Amendment. This is how they got gay marriage passed, um, which I don't disagree with, by the way. But 
the the equal protection. So now they're they're trying to say, well, look at all this racism. That's probably less now today than it was easily. Slightly less. 60 years ago. Yeah. Or 70 years, 70, 60, 70 years ago. Um, although it's it's just much more in our faces because we have 24-7 news. Woke media. Woke media. We got podcasts. We got all kinds of things happening. Um, and so now they're like, oh, look at our little nugget we've been uh, talking about here for the you know, last 8, 12 years, this racism. And now, all of a sudden, we found this authority under equal protection clause to make sure that we make everything equal because we're going to skew some stats and show you that somehow voting's unequal between uh, minorities. Because yeah, because if you can find that minorities are disproportionately affected by some of these by some of the laws like voter ID or like not allowing mail-in ballots for everyone, if that will in fact affect more minorities than non-minorities would feel wrong to say majorities there that this doesn't feel right <laughs> saying that if you find that it would affect more minorities then you can actually go back to the 14th amendment and say hey this isn't equal so therefore we can take over the entire process so yeah maybe they will have a case in court i don't really know where the supreme court stands on the constitution these days i, <laughs> I really i really don't so it's going to be interesting i do think this is something that several states are going to challenge and and we'll see we'll see how it ends up there'll be a massive fight about it in roughly three and a half years just so you know that will be up in the supreme court in roughly three and a half years and then don't be surprised if uh, they stack the court yeah because they're not because they don't get what they want it's just uh man if you just pay attention to this stuff it's just it's just impressive how it all comes together you can see it coming from miles away and then when they actually implement it you're like no way no, I didn't think they were actually, I thought this could happen. I didn't think they were, they did it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I did it. They did it. That's what, that's exactly what they're doing. Well, you know, you shouldn't have to prove that you're, that you're a citizen to vote, but Charlie's going to tell us about something you should prove you're a citizen to have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a post on social media. This is coming from Reason. <laughs> this is so great. Democrats demand social media users talking politics disclose certain foreign connections. So... Make sure you're not uh, tweeting from somewhere else. The lingering effects of Russian influence hysteria are still being felt, which has yet to be proven still. While Facebook is ending a ban on political advertising. Hey, that was that's good news. That was enacted amid moral panic about overseas influence in the U.S. elections. Democrats in Congress are still pushing regulations and restrictions based on the idea that simply seeing foreign people's speech about U.S. issues and elections is bad for feeble-minded Americans and dangerous to our democracy. So, guys, you can't stuck at, taking information from around the world. You just shouldn't do that. You can't listen to people should, from other countries talking yeah. about our elections. Yeah, China's got it right. We should have a home-based <laughs> internet system. You can't access the outside internet world. When you think about the way that they're going to have to enforce this, it's going to be insane. Yeah. The foreign, the foreign Agent Disclaimer Enhancement Act, the FADE Act of 2021, introduced by Abigail Span, Spanberger, a Democrat from Virginia, passed the House yesterday as part of a larger voting rights and election-related bill called the For the People Act. So this is inside, this is inside of, of, of the For the People Act. The way the law is written, anyone outside of the U.S. who wants to opine online about any U.S. candidate or political issue that is not a U.S. citizen 
could have to disclose his identity as a foreign principal with every single post. That's insane. Enforcing such a measure would require a huge investment in federal law enforcement apparatuses to monitor and investigate social media platforms, as well as massive regulation on social media tech mm-hmm. companies, uh, which again hurts competition. So I'm sure Facebook is all for this. Meanwhile, the potential for preventing or chilling all sorts of perfectly benign political speech would be huge, as would the potential for abuse by whatever party or administration is in power. So, I mean, this gives you some type of legal authority over every political related post. Yeah. So you don't have to be, this is impressive in the same bill, (laughs) in the same, in the same bill, in the same bill, (laughs) you have to be a U.S. citizen to post about political elections in the United States, but not to vote. Not to well, vote. It's strongly encouraged that you be a U.S. Well, citizen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vote. But yeah. we're not going to check. No. We're not going to check. That would be racist. We're going to check if you're online posting shit. <laughs> but if you actually come to the polls or, or if you just want an absentee ballot, no problem. Sure. Sure, Mr. Gonzalez, we'll send your uh, absentee ballot to Mexico. No problem. <laughs> this is this is just, it's so unbelievable. It's 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 beyond laughable, though, because this is real. This is real. It is real. This is real life in the same bill. This passed the house yesterday. Yeah. It wasn't just introduced. It wasn't in a subcommittee. It didn't go to another committee. This thing passed (laughs) the house. And of course it includes our stimulus checks. So anybody who votes against this, they're just going to be, they hate poor people. Mm -hmm. Just hold people down. This is so unbelievable. So unbelievable. I need to turn on C-SPAN and see, make sure Rand Paul is introducing all the amendments. Oh, yeah. Is, I do want to watch that. This is crazy, folks. This is absolutely crazy. Well, um, one more thing. Did you have something else on that? You sound like maybe you're about to say something. No, I just, I, you know, we're reaching a level of stupidity. It's that, a circus, man. It's a That I can't, I'm not sure how much more I can handle. It's like a, I, it's like a comedy show. Yeah. And, and we're, we're really. Where people actually die. We're really, I saw this, uh, this great video on TikTok, something we've talked about so many times. And even what's hilarious is I, reading the comments was so funny because this girl did a great, great video representation of what we talk about all the time, which is the difference between Sweden and the United States. And reading the comments, Democrats on there were like, wow, oh, we don't actually care. Essentially what they were saying was like, well, you know, eat the rich, tax the rich. We don't yeah. care that Sweden doesn't have a minimum wage. We, we deserve 15. So it's like, it's just, it, it's, it's mind boggling that people have no sense of direction, no sense of principles, no sense of belief in what they actually believe in. It's just that you just throw things out into the wind. And even if they're conflicting, we'll put them in the same bill, <laughs> conflicting ideas. It just has to sound good. Put conflicting ideas in the same bill and not not only will we put it in the bill, we'll pass it for you. Mm-hmm. It just, you can't even make it up. This is unbelievable. You wouldn't read this in the greatest thriller novel of all time. <laughs> he did what? What? Okay, another thing that you just could not believe because no one would have ever guessed that this would happen. And you're not going to, you're not going to hear this on any uh, mainstream news. Outlets. By the way, before you get into this, this reminds me of, um, Remember that video back in 2008 or nine when Maxine Waters came out and basically said to the oil executives that if the gas prices keep going up, 
she must spoke and said, well, if that keeps happening, then we're going to socialize. I mean, she like had to pause. And she, was like, <laughs> she was like, well, basically the federal government's going to have to take over, you know, because because the price is going so high in, in 2008 and 2009. Did she also ask the oil companies why their student loans were so high? Yeah. <laughs> I think she should have done that too. I wish I had that clip because it's, it's unbelievable. But anyway, tell me about Venezuelan. Venezuela to weigh oil law reform to allow new models, new business models in Venezuela. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Venezuela has this crazy, wacky idea right now that they're in a terrible, terrible economic situation and they're going to try a radical plan, which is they're going to allow people to privatize some of the industries. Mm. It's an insane plan. Okay. And so they're not going to come out and make economic free oil zones. Yes. (laughs) Free oil zones. Pretty crazy. Venezuela's president Nicolas Maduro said on Tuesday that the National Assembly would consider reforms to oil legislation that he said would allow for new business models in the crisis-stricken South American country's crucial oil industry. Which is still, by the way, has the largest oil reserves in the entire world. Maduro did not provide details about what changes might be made by the Congress, controlled by allies of his ruling Socialist Party. Oh, they said, so- they said socialist. Good job. After a December vote widely boycotted by the opposition. Venezuela's crude output has plunged in recent years due to underinvestment and mismanagement underinvestment and mismanagement because you know what they did they they nationalized the oil oil industries they brought in all the money into the government they siphoned off a whole bunch of it over to their family members and then they divided the rest of it out among the people and then they forgot oh yeah we're running a business here and we actually have to look into the future and make sure that we're going to be able to continue this completely unsustainable business model that we are currently <laughs> running and they never thought about doing that because when they did hit the tough times, you know what they did? They just printed some money because then they, they were writing checks that they couldn't cash. All right. They were taking off bites that they couldn't eat, whatever. You know, you know the thing. And then all of a sudden. They're biting off more than they could swallow. All of a sudden, they can't print enough money to pay the money printers. Okay. And so now they're so coming they, up. But then they changed their currency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were basically like. A million rocks equals one rock. (laughs) (laughs) Maduro's comments come as officials have proposed allowing private companies a greater role in the oil industry and a member of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries in a break from the state-run model preferred by Maduro's predecessor and mentor, the late great President Hugo Chavez. Say, Say that again. Hugo Chavez? No, say that sentence again. Okay. OPEC, in a break from the state-run model preferred by Maduro's predecessor and mentor, the late former President Hugo Chavez. That's the beginning. Maduro's (laughs) comments. Maduro's comments. Is this all for John? Are we going to do We See, the guy doing our videos says that we have to get him some good sound clips to put at the beginning of the videos. And so, let me try that again. Maduro's comments come as officials have proposed allowing private companies a greater role in the oil industry. Stop. Yeah. That was all I wanted you to say again. (laughs) Private companies. Weird. Oh, God. The The, horror. Radical. This is. I'm scared for Venezuela. Radical capitalism right here. Right now, they're in the the crux. They're in the groundbreaking socialist movement. And to allow evil capitalism to once again get its grip 
on these poor people of Venezuela. I just, oh, I fear for them because, man, the gre- the greed. What I can are, smell the greed coming from a mile away. What are all the poor people going to do? What are the poor people going to do in Venezuela now that they're going to allow private companies? Now this, the, the greed is going to usher into Venezuela once again and captivate it and and push it to number one again in South America. This is as bad <laughs> as the time that Russia suggested they should, to fix their economy, they should let the businessmen out of jail. I mean, that is that was a radical plan also. This is... This might be worse, but it could be just as bad as the time in the 1980s when China decided to open up four economic free zones to kickstart their economy, where businesses were for the first time allowed to make a profit in these little zones. Radical. This is, uh, man. The... The oil law was among dozens that the National Assembly resolved to reform during its session on Tuesday. The Congress also pledged to consider laws reforming Venezuela's mining sector and to create special <laughs> economic zones. Charlie, oh, you don't say. Did you know that that was in there? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I just, I read it right before you read it. And I'm just like, oh, I'll say it again. The Congress also pledged to consider laws reforming Venezuela's mining sector and to create special economic zones. (laughs) I can't. can't. Oh, my God. Little economic freedom zones. Oh, Oh, man. That is the way that they're going to try to fix their economy. This is uh, this just feels so good. Being right all the time. (laughs) This is. There's no it's, way there's no way you could have predicted this ever happening in Venezuela and now they've came up with a plan that no one's ever tried before which is creating special economic zones where they allow people to own private businesses and and make profits off of stuff. Uh, yeah. I just honestly can't believe you're reading this. I just this is so unbelievable. This is from Reuters by the way. I know. This is not fee, it's not reason. Even though they probably have a good article about this, this is coming from Reuters, okay? And it's just just ima- just imagine what we've seen play out throughout history. Switzerland's a great example, going from socialist to capitalist back in the seventies. China, all these places, and then all of a sudden, Ven- look, Venezuela tried the experiment. We have another country because it wasn't done right, so now Venezuela tried to do it right, and it still didn't work. So now they got to go back to greedy capitalism until everybody complains about that again. Then somebody else will try it again. Yeah. One of these days, we're going to kill enough people until we get it right. I don't know. I mean. I'm not sure. I just, you know. We'll just, see. I just can't believe that's the hill people want to die on. And, well, and of course, of course. You remember watching, uh, what, is it called The Talk or whatever with Whoopi Goldberg and all those people? Maybe. Um, uh, what's that? What's that daily the view? show? The View. Oh, God. I remember when Rand Paul was on there and the the one lady that is from Venezuela was talking about how, well, Venezuela, it's not their economic policies. Maduro's a dictator. <laughs> it's that's he's an evil dictator. It's the, amazing. The, it, it blows my mind how every single socialist country that's ever been tried all of a sudden just had these brutal dictators take over. And, Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I had a stroke level moment when I was watching that clip because Rand Paul says something to the effect of you can't name one, you know, name one place where socialism was tried and it worked. And she's like, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, Norway, the UK, all this, all this stuff. I'm like, all the garbage. None of those places have 
the policies that you're talking about. Ugh. None of them do. You wouldn't support a one of their economic policies. You like what they Except have. That, as, they as, probably support a VAT tax. Maybe a VAT tax, something like that. They would. But they would not support what their corporate taxes are. They wouldn't support the taxes moving up on the middle class to, the, to what the taxes are in those countries. They wouldn't support letting the unions or businesses work out what the minimum wage was going to be and having no federally set minimum wage. Mm-hmm. They would not support that at, at all. They don't actually want the economic policies that led to what those countries have. They want what some of the benefits are. And then even that, we can get into the conversation about how those countries have like 5 million people in them, and you're really just making an argument for how you should try something in one U.S. city. Try it in New York. If you can make it work in New York, and everyone's happy, and everyone's flocking there, and their economy's running amazingly, uh, then let's, let's talk about it. But uh, you can't look at a little country with 5 million people in it and say that you could expand that out to 350 million people. It's not going to happen. You're going you're gonna to lose a lot of efficiency, especially... In our government. All right, guys. What's also interesting about these other countries, too, is that because of the way their tax structure is set up, the 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 poorest people actually carry the brunt of the taxation uh, percentage wise because everyone pays a, a very similar. It is a, a little bit progressive in their percentage, but it's really close together. So like, you, you know, the poor and the middle class will pay 40 percent and then the rich will pay like 45 percent. It's, I don't know the exact numbers. I got to look them up. But if you if you go and look at the the brackets, that's essentially how it works. So then, obviously, the but the but the poor people are receiving most of the benefits. Mm-hmm. So then, a larger percentage of their income is going to go for all the benefits they're receiving. And the thing they definitely would not support is the fact that the upper middle class and the evil one percent they have the same tax bracket. Like after the upper middle class tax bracket, there's not another tax bracket. No. After that, they pay the top tax bracket. If you're if you're in the upper middle class there, really it's just smack dab in the middle class, I think. I'm not sure exactly where it's at. I think it kicks in around sixty thousand, seventy thousand, something like that. So anyway, anyhow, Venezuela has come up with a monumental plan that no socialist country that was an economic crisis has ever come up with before, which is to allow private companies to come in and do things right. Boom. Mm. Okay, guys, go to mastermystonks.com to join the Liberty Trading Academy. The market's in a bit of a shakeup right now, which is where people who want to make a lot of money and grow some wealth, that's where they start hitting the buy button. All those people that everyone's mad about making all that money during the the pandemic last year. The pandemic. Well, you know what they were doing? Well, they were coming out there and they were saying, I'm going to hit the buy button because this is a dip and I'm going to buy that dipper. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to identify, I mean, there's like 20 stonks in here that we're looking at. I'm identifying three different support levels that I will be watching for good dip buys on all of those stonks. We'll be sending the list out to everyone tonight, tomorrow morning, something like that, because we're coming into a potential downturn here. We'll see. I still had the opinion that it could push up a little bit above 4,000 for the S&P and then crash down. Uh, but or at least make kind of uh, maybe a little bit of a double top, just a or, or maybe you know just a false break over the top and squeeze then, some shorts and then out. done, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then done right there. So we'll uh, we'll see. 
we'll see what's going to happen with it. But all you can do is just be prepared. Our trading style is a, an if-then statement. It's, if this happens, then I will do this. Mm-hmm. Never, don't make any predictions on what I think is going to happen. I just know that there are there are actions I will take when things do happen. Exactly. And that's all you can do. Well, and it's, it, it's either going to go up or it's going to go down. And so depending on some analysis mm-hmm. in either direction it goes, then you can take action based on that. And so it's not a matter of like, oh, I think, uh, you know, the, the Dow is going to hit this exact number and do whatever. It's, it's a matter of statistical probabilities and analyzing all that data. Um, as you said, I mean, today um, started off where my account just kept going down. I'm in a lot of swing trades that are actually uh, that play along long in the market. And so uh, I watched it go. I was I was down 200 and then 500, and then I got all the way to down $1,000 in my account, but I didn't panic sell. That's the thing. We teach you all the, all the things you need to know uh, where this is, and then you look at the end of the day, I actually bought more on the dip um, because I'm with, I'm with Nate. If one of two things happen, this is where I'm going, and you look, and my account is back where it started this morning. I'm only down $200 for the day, for the whole day. Mm. And yeah, I had a technically a losing day on my swing trades, but I'm still up overall profit wise. I was just, I'm down what my original, what my profit was from a couple of days ago. Cause the market's taken a turn. I'm looking for, as Nate said, that opportunity to start to average back in as it for us to make another wave up before we actually see it come down. So you can learn, you can learn all of that and you should learn all of that. Um, because it's your money. Why wouldn't you? Can you think of another reason why you wouldn't learn all of that? The, no. There actually isn't. No, there's not another reason. Mm-mm. Unless you're just you're just scared. You know? Yeah. Maybe you're scared. So if you sign up right now, you can technically get nine whole free days of our class. You get two days just for looking at it. You don't get charged nothing. Don't even have to put in a credit card. If you sign up for the preview, yeah. Yeah, if you sign up for the preview. And then after that, you can sign up for the seven-day free trial. Okay, folks, and that's seven more free days. And that one, you do have to put a credit card in because on the eighth day, we charge you if you don't cancel. Um, And then also, if you use the promo code SAVE20, you save 20% off. For two months. For two months. It's literally costing you money not to be in this class. I'm telling you. (laughs) Master my stonks. The god darn stonks. Mastermystonks.com. It is the place to be. We talked about at the beginning, too. Great group. Just a great, fantastic group. Normally, you go in the Patreon right there, so I was just letting you do it. Patreon.com, as we told you guys at the beginning, another another great group that we uh, that we run. Uh, you can get access to the private Discord server. Be a part of the memes-only channel. Be a part <laughs> of the dumb bleep of the week voting apparatus. Um, be part. Be part of the live discussion when we go live every single day. It only costs you five bucks a month and 15% discount if you sign up for the whole year. So as I mentioned, we had a live review in the middle of the chat that this, uh, just the chat alone is worth every single penny. Plus you, uh, the, everybody talks back and forth 24 seven. So you guys can ask questions. Uh, we may not be able to answer everything right away, but I promise you that we, We'll try to get to it as best as we can, but you can still, that's the best way to have direct access to it is be part of the group. So patreon.com slash good morning Liberty sign up and you stay classy. You stay classy. We're Nate and Charlie.
Good, good morning, Liberty.